This week, the Dick and Ham Show is brought to you by Peter's Cleaning Company and the Old McCallum Scotch Whiskey for that smooth, smooth taste and that bad behavior you all love. The Old McCallum. We're back. It's been a long time. It's been a very long time. Me, me having some sort of employment has uh, has dented my availability somewhat. But uh, now we're here. We're here to talk about a lot of things instead of just football. We, ha- we had a, a mailbag that, that complained about the football episode, just by the way. Oh, is that right? Well, wow. who complained? Yeah. Uh, one, of, one of our listeners here in Norway who is, who is not a football guy. Uh, he loves yeah. the show, legitimately loves it. And he's like, you know what? Mm. Love the show. Tried to listen to it. It's like, just didn't make sense to me. Like, it, it was really rubbish. Just... <laughs> <laughs> So we're doing something for the other fans uh, this week as well. No, but I guess no, there is fair enough. To talk about oh, okay, too. I was going to talk about the football. So no, no, we can. We can. We can do both. But I'm just thinking we should do a bit of everything. You know, keep keep all the fans happy. For an international podcast, we can't just be so Melbourne centric. No, we no, did that once. Okay, we'll, 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 talk, we'll talk about West Coast then. <laughs> talk about what's happening in Fremantle <laughs> at the moment. What's happening with uh, with Ben Cousins? Probably best not to not to ask that. question. Yeah, that's that's just going to be sad. But uh, the ranch is here, as as he uh, often often is on the show, and the boots is here. Uh, Sam's late apology, which is absolutely standard. But uh, no, look, it has been a while since we've we've chatted. Life in Melbourne seems to be um, just in in a lot of ways as normal as normal you know can be at the moment, which is which is great. How is that? Is it is it back how it was? Is it almost well, recognisable how it was? How does it feel? Eighty five percent capacity at the MCG on Anzac Day. So, nice. 85,000. So that's uh, about as close to normal as you can be. It's still masks on public transport and in taxis. And yeah, other than that, kind of it's pretty much back to normal here. Everything yeah. except people like me being able to travel there. Is everything oh, yeah. else is normal? We've, I'm never coming back here, but everything else normal. We've, we've become super xenophobic. Like, <laughs> we don't want anyone from even if they're Australian coming back because, you know, the disease. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit of a leprosy type situation if you look a bit <laughs> South Australian or something. <laughs> uh, how is it for you, Ranch? How's Bayside living? Yeah, no, it's it's good. Like, as 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 you guys have said, it's um it's pretty much just back to normal now and, and really has been for some time to the point where I was talking to some people in uh in LA recently and I kind of was just talking like COVID was over and then, and then very much remembered that it's not um and felt really kind of shit for, for being such a being such an asshole. But uh but yeah it's um it's it's it, it's pretty much just normal now uh which is which is good. There's always the worry of you know little kind of outbreaks here and there but all that touch wood it's been a number of weeks since we've had that. Um so yeah things are things are pretty normal and you know if we can get the vaccine cracking hopefully we'll be able to welcome people from norway in one day that'd be nice let's hope so we're ready for it we um we're thinking that the, the way for for me to see my family is going to be to meet somewhere in the middle that's probably the most realistic option because there is no way i'm doing hotel quarantine with two kids under six there is absolutely no way i'm paying to do that with them for two weeks as much as i love them more than anything it's not going to happen um hotel quarantine here you love this that they make you pay, but it's about like $30 a day. And then if you don't like it that much, people just leave. <laughs> <laughs> of course. It's not ironclad. It's just a little <laughs> bit soft around the edges. And so people just like, I don't like this. I'm, I'm going. I'll pay the fine, which again, the fine is maybe like, I don't know, a couple of hundred bucks or something. Yeah, that doesn't, doesn't quite seem worth it, does it? But No. Well, <laughs> one thing that did happen that you wouldn't have heard is the... Um, 
the prime minister who I've met a couple of times, and always so small that I've met the last two prime ministers um, because you just kind of do. <laughs> you just kind of do. Like it took me a second for that to really register. That's, that's fucking crazy. <laughs> I've met do. the last two of them. Yep. No, one of them I met at the, uh, at the opera. I've only ever been to the opera once and he was there in the row in front of us. And then the other lady, we did some work with her. And then I also met her, I can't remember, somewhere else. Um, she's very popular, but she... She also, in the middle of a, of a lockdown, had a birthday party at a sushi restaurant and had 17 <laughs> people at it Oh dear! and got busted. And she was fined. Again, the fine was pretty modest, but that's dented her popularity oh. somewhat where everybody's like, hang on, you're telling us we can not do anything. And then you're having a sushi party for 17 people. It was, um, it was now not well thought through that. That would have been some pretty expensive sushi too, based on my visit to Norway. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, my understanding of restaurant prices in Norway. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. 80 bucks a piece. No, no question. What, what's the state of play in Norway these days? Um, I'm sorry, I've just realized my chair is very creaking and I try to sit very still when I speak. Cases have never gone down to zero. They went very low down to single digits in summer last year. So I guess winter, in Australian winter last year. And then they never really skyrocketed, but they just kind of went up to a level where, you know, like level of concern where you kind of got hundred a day, then nationally, you're kind of at 200, anywhere between 200 and 400. It's been that plus a sort of a three quarters lockdown for what feels like six months. Mm. So unless you're in like the hospitality business or the travel business, in which case, you, you know, it's been completely devastating and still is for everybody else. It's working at home, and quite a few things are closed, but there's enough things open that you can still function. Um, and it's almost like we've gotten so used to that, that it just feels like it's just been indefinite. Um, mm. And I guess the main thing now is that it's just a, a question of how quickly can the EU, uh, there's obviously a well-publicized spat between the EU and Australia when it came to sharing vaccines. Uh, that I, I think that's passed now, but a month ago or so, the Italians didn't want to send stuff to Australia and there was an uproar about it. But Anyway, we're getting vaccine by the EU, even though we're not in it. Um, and thankfully, they've got their hands on a bit more, which means that everyone will be getting some Pfizer or some Moderna vaccine in their arm by about July, if we're lucky. Right, okay. So that's what we're doing. But I think I'm, I'm nervous about the way they are not insanely strict with, with the borders. Like I complain about not being able to go into Australia, but I actually still think it's the right thing. Like as terrible as it is, India is is like experiencing a tremendous crisis at the moment. And I don't know, I don't, I don't think we should be flying there right now. Mm. <laughs> you shouldn't mm. be accepting those flights. You know, it's, it's as harsh as that sounds, you just shouldn't be because to me, I'm not an immunologist, but it, it feels like now it's a game of, you remember the arcade, that game of whack-a-mole where you have that mallet and the things that pop up and yeah. you whack one. It's just like that with these new variants that you kind of, you know, you're trying to immunize people, but these new variants are, are, are kind of popping up and making it difficult. And I, I think you're going to have to kind of keep adapting the vaccine to go like, I think you're going to have to have a booster shot of this every year to kind of be up to date against these latest variants. Cause I think it's going to, it's that they're going to mm. stay around for a long time. Mm. Gee, that sounds like quite a slog for you guys. I mean, to be in a three quarter lockdown for, for, for that long. Um, yeah. That can't be, can't be great. Uh, you know, July, not that far away, I suppose, but it depends on, I guess, what level of confidence you've got that the rollout will actually be efficient, right? 
Yeah, well, look, we, the rollout's been okay given what they have because they just it's it's a scarce resource. You know, they don't have enough, and the the amount they do have, they've been pretty effective with it. They've got quite a clever system here as well, where they don't waste any. So once you've kind of decanted it out, I guess that's a wine term more than a vaccine term, but you know, <laughs> you know what I'm getting at. Once they've removed it from its primary vial and kind of got it ready to be shot up, if someone doesn't make it to their appointment, that that dose will kind of go out of date very quickly, like within four to five hours. So they have a system where you can sign up for like this. They ring you and say, the person didn't show up. Can you be here within 20 minutes? Um, You're so on standby. We're on, yeah, we're on that. We're on standby. Um, and that might might get us a little further ahead. Um, I don't know. I mean, we're in the last group, no matter what happens. They're thinking about bringing the teenagers before us because they, they can't keep their hands off each other and they're the ones spreading it. Um, <laughs> The teenagers and, and it's the end of the year i gotta tell you norwegian schoolies week is something it goes for a month it goes for a month and it's before exams so i may have just gotten zeros oh. if, if i've spent a month just drinking and partying before exams i may have just gotten zeros across the board i would forget everything wow. but that's what they do well wow. and they buy um they buy old buses like full-sized coaches like buses and they get graffiti artists to like spray paint them and they make like these big kind of pimp mobiles out of buses and they put massive sound systems on them and just drive around pumping techno and partying on the roof of their bus. One year, these guys bought Metallica's PA that they used when they were in Norway. <laughs> and they had, to, they had to tow a generator behind the bus to power it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway suffice to say they interact with each other a lot physically uh, during schoolies and they're the ones spreading it so i think they're gonna leapfrog us in the vaccine queue um yeah well but look the mere yeah. existence of the vaccine is 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 a blessing and it's a tribute to the people who have have made it and i i wanted to quickly start off this episode with a question um and there's one disclaimer you're not allowed to use you're not allowed to talk about flying cars because because you'll, you'll see what i mean in a second my question i was thinking about a bunch of things that we have at our disposal now has the future finally arrived? You know how for so many years we were like, what happened? Why don't we have this and this and this? If you actually think about what we have now, like the vaccine is, is, is miraculous that that was made um, simultaneously by multiple companies so quickly. But if you think about other things, you play golf, you have a watch that can tell you to within a meter where you are and it can tell you what the wind's doing and it can, you've got a caddy on your watch that tells you what to do. If you, you know, we know people who have running shoes that are scientifically proven to make you run faster. That's never been possible. That's just been nonsense until the last 12 months. If you go for a long drive now, you have a car, like our car does 70% of the driving if we take a long trip. So like, I know flying cars were the thing we all wanted and never got, but if you take that out of the equation, has the future arrived? A self-drying clothes from Back to the Future 2 would still be pretty sweet. That would be pretty sweet. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. But what's the tipping point, Boots? At what point are you like, yep, this is it. This is what I was expecting all those years ago. Power laces? <laughs> for, for me, what makes me appreciate technology is the ability to access information everywhere. I think, I mean, phones, phone, smartphones have been the biggest game changer, I think, for, as a technological development um, in, in my lifetime. Like, if you think about the conceptually a mobile phone that is so that as one game changer can you remember freaking having to organize to meet up with someone someone somewhere without the ability to call them at any time and it actually working if you think about that it's just amazing particularly our friends 
who couldn't organise himself out of a um, and yet you did you did occasionally get him to go somewhere without the use of a mobile phone. And yeah, like the introduction of mobile phones meant that people's kind of ability to plan just went through the floor. Oh, you know exactly. Like, it, it's yeah. as with anything. Once you have a technology that can do something for you, you lose the skill to be able to do it without it. And the um, like maps, uh, it's, you know, and and handwriting. People's handwriting is terrible now. Oh yeah. Um, but the. That to me, so the ability to have information at your fingertips to do things on your phone that you couldn't do. I mean, the I what I mean, this is just something that makes me marvel. But whenever I'm like uh, in different rooms in my house or, or or down the beach, and I can throw up onto the television screen anything from any streaming service that I have because it's on my phone, and I can just throw it up on the screen and watch it. And that's that's the thing that constantly makes me go, "What an age we live in." Yeah, that, that is and pretty great. The, that and the red zone channel for the NFL. Mm. That's the other thing that uh, mm. I feel to be, you know, one of the greatest developments in the last 40 years. I can't believe yeah. the red zone channel works. It actually shouldn't. Like it, it's illogical oh. for that to work the way it does. Yeah. And, and, and not only does it work, it is far better than just watching a game. The watching. Yeah. Well, it, mm. it, it kind of a little bit ruined. Like, I mean, I, the ranch and I obviously care about specific teams. They can watch watch our own teams and have that level of interest. But for a non-particularly partisan fan, the red zone is just a game changer for watching the actual games. Mm. It's, it's, and, it's unbelievable. And just for context, the red zone, for people who have no fucking idea what the red zone channel is, it's essentially, you know, in the NFL, they tend to play, you know, the vast majority of their games um, for the entire league at 1pm on a Sunday and 4pm on a Sunday. There's a handful of games in prime time. Mm. Um, on on other day. So what that means is you've usually got, you know, in that 1 p.m. slot, you might have, I don't know, six, seven, eight um, games or, or, or maybe even more kind of in a time slot all happening at the exact same time. It's a little bit like what the AFL used to be when you'd have six games on a Saturday afternoon. Um, and so what the Red Zone channel does is it, it basically just kind of flicks back and forward to, to those games as and when they get interesting. Um, and it's, uh, and you kind of think, oh, you know, you're then just kind of watching these highlights packages, but not really like the way they edit it all together. And the guy, Scott Hansen, who kind of, you know, not so much commentates, but, but, but kind of facilitates the whole thing. Like I don't, it's one of those ones, a little bit like Jeff, Jeff Probst from Survivor. Like it's difficult to imagine how anyone else could actually do that job. Mm like so, so well, it's just, it's a certain skill and a certain style. And so, um, so just, just a story about, about Scott Hansen. So he hosted in, inside the stadium, the Super Bowl in uh, 2020. So the, the 49ers Kansas City Stadium and Susanna was watching him and was just completely enthralled by the way he was kind of being master of the ceremonies and said, I don't think I've ever seen anyone better at their job than he is at doing this. Wow. He was just He's incredible at doing that. Do you feel about that, Boots? <laughs> yeah, not great. Um, yeah. But the, uh, yeah, the, the, point, the point was well taken. He's, he's very good at his job and he's incredibly good at that, uh, that red zone job. And as the ranch says, I just don't imagine anyone else who could, who could do it. But we have, we've probably gone a little bit off track from the, uh, <laughs> as is the want of this podcast. Uh, from it's a non-linear non 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 podcast, so I think we're okay. <laughs> What what are the technological developments oh, the that we have, that we yeah. think have brought us to the future? Scott Hansen, there you yeah. go. <laughs> no, but it's it's a, it's a valid point, and and I'm I'm constantly amazed by that. And it's actually pleasing that there's a human element in that being as good as it is, because you do mm. you do sometimes wonder about the future of, of humans versus robots and computing power that's better than humans at a lot of things. 
Uh, but that's that's human beings making a lot of great decisions. It's it's almost like plate spinning that that red zone thing where there's all these things happening at once and they can somehow juggle them and keep them going and direct you to it. It's really really cool. Ranch, um, are you a Vaporfly guy? Speaking of futuristic things, are you are you running in those mm-hmm. crazy running shoes? Yeah, I've got I've got one pair of um, Vaporfly Next Percents. There's other people who may or may not have been on this podcast before who have uh, multiple boxes of unopened Vaporflies and probably more in transit. So uh, I've, I've got one pair. I'll probably get another one soon, but um, yeah, they're, uh, they're, 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 they're pretty, they're pretty fucking great. Actually. Really I, I was so surprised. I just started running again. Um, and I was, did you get a pair? I did get a pair. And really? Was, you need, you need well, to I'm, join our WhatsApp group, David. I'm a bit of a, I'm a, I like, <laughs> like someone who's terrible at, at, at mathematics. I'm, I like data. Like I, that's what I love about this golf watch that how much it can tell you about what's going on. And so I've been tracking my runs and like even things like skiing and stuff for like 10 years. I use this weird random tracking program that my colleagues at Nokia built back when Nokia was a thing and I still use it. So no one sees any of my stuff because there's no one on that platform. But basically I was like, this is a great experiment. I haven't run in ages. I'm going to get these shoes and run the same thing that I've run previously and see what happens. And I hadn't done anything in months and I'm not in good shape, but I was just, it was just like the second fastest run I've ever done just because I was wearing these shoes. And I was so shocked by that. Um, I yeah, didn't no, really notice it with the way my foot was hitting the ground. It, it felt different, but it didn't actually feel like I was being pushed forwards. But it was it was the numbers, and I went for another run, and it was way faster again. And I was just like dumbfounded that that was po- how is that not possible before? And suddenly they're just like you can do this now. Yeah, they're um they're pretty great, but they're also they're just a really well bloody designed shoe as well. Like the 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 upper is is just this really nice material. It's a nice spongy bouncy feel and it does kind of propel you forward. It doesn't so much feel like it, as you say, but they're delightful. I have to ask, uh, which, 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 which colorway did you get Dave? I've got the Vaporfly 2 Ranch. It's the new one. Yeah. And get it's in fucked. It. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Cameron yeah. will have driven off the road. I'm ahead of the yeah. game. Yeah, and, ahead of the and, game. It's, it's an aqua blue color. Um, oh, yeah. they're, they're nice. They're yeah, nice. With the sort of the white, white outsole and, um, Yep, I'm rocking that. It's it's basically the same shoe. It just has a little bit of reinforcement on the on the front that the old one didn't have. So it's basically mm. the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. But what what else are the future ranch? What is it that makes you think we've arrived? Is there anything? Uh, look, I was um, mainly focused on trying to bring up as many Back to the Future two references as I could, which I did before. But you know, like I I think about yeah, flying cars, hoverboards, self drying clothes, power laces, um, Jaws nineteen. Or whatever it was, uh, that 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 very 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 small pizza that they put in the microwave and then it comes out as a family size pizza. The we haven't done that yet. That was yeah, awesome. Yeah, when, when 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 we get that, that'll be good. Firing people by fax never really took off. Um, I don't think that don't think that's going to happen so much. That fax was up for auction, by the way, recently at a prop auction. You could buy the piece of paper. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how they verify that because it, it's literally just a piece of paper. <laughs> Dump matrix printer. Um, yeah. And yeah. uh, and actually, the the other one that did spring to mind was actually when um, I don't know Marty Junior or whatever is is watching TV and he's just got like all the different channels and stuff. But yeah, Boots kind of covered that one off. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's probably not something I've I've thought about too much. But yeah, right. Like um, you now it's difficult to imagine how much more technology is going to kind of impact our lives. But all I know is that it almost definitely will. Um, yeah. Now, I think, I think there's, there's been a tipping point. Maybe it's because the last two years, the other thing other than the pandemic that's noteworthy is that there's been this maturation of certain technology and even other things we haven't even talked about, like Shazam, that's 10 years old, but 
that's ridiculous that you can hear any song in the world and hold your phone up. It's like, Oh yeah, that's, that's this song by Ranch's band. You know, it's, that's unbelievable. And it, that's, that's 10 years old now. So anyway, cheers, cheers to the future. And let's hope there's more good vaccines in that future for all of us. If some of my rubbish is on Shazam, then I'm using a really old version of Shazam then because yeah. I will look for your band on Shazam. I'll let you know if anyone's uploaded any shows onto Definitely not be there. It might be. You just don't know. They were, a, they were a powerful force back in the day. Were they? Sort of. Mm. So mm. on my hastily assembled agenda, I want to, we always talk about TV. I think we've, we've got to. There's so much so much good content floating around. Um, since we last spoke, have you guys been watching anything noteworthy? Dave. Well, I have I have plenty, but I thought you could go first. Oh, no, no, first. no. That was a TV show. I've been watching a TV show called Dave. Oh, oh. <laughs> right. Well, okay. Beautiful setup. Well played. Excellent. Yeah. Not intentional. Not intentional. Well played, Ranch. Well played. It's um, the old who's on the old who's on first joke. Yeah. Come, yep, come yep. to life in the twenty first century. Amazing. Is it connected to the movie called Dave about the American president? Or is it no, no, it's not. It's um, it is on. Uh, it was on FX in the states, and here you can watch it on Foxtel or Binge. I think. Terrible fucking name for the service, by the way. Binge. Binge. Um, <sighs> oh, just awful. Just really, real bad. Uh, real bad. Uh, but it is, um, it's, it's kind of a semi-autobiographical show about this real-life rapper called Lil Dicky. Has anyone heard of him? No. no. Lil Dicky. Bold Asian. choice of name. Well, isn't it, right? <laughs> you're, um, you're opening yourself up for some ridicule. <laughs> that name. But, but, that's, but that's kind of the thing. Like, you know, like the, the very first scene of the very first episode of the show is him talking about how his dick's all fucked up and he's got this fucked up dick and it's all like small and wrinkly and it's got two holes um, and all this stuff. Anyway. Oh my God, um, that's so much information for the yeah, first I know, scene. right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a lot to take in. But the show is, and Dave, I, I think you might be mentioning Atlanta a little bit later on. I'm not going to say it's like Atlanta, but there are elements that are kind of similar in a way. And like, there's obviously a lot of hip hop in it, but um, it's this show that kind of on its, like on the surface is, is kind of funny and, 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 and entertaining to watch, but it's really kind of digging away at some, at some genuine kind of issues as well. Um, but it's also hilarious and will go from being really absurd to being really serious and poignant and incredibly well written all throughout it's it's absolutely incredible it came out i think kind of mid pandemic last year maybe in like june or something like that and it is it is sensational and the and the dude can really rap like really really well as well and you know some of his songs are really good it's his his vibe is a little bit lonely islandish so it's it's kind of like it's really well put together good beats but then also um a bit of a uh, bit of you know, uh, kind of, humor yeah, so I would like that. That is a hard recommend from me, wow. Dave. You, it I, I right think Dave will enjoy house. Dave. Mm-hmm. There you but go. No, yeah, Atlanta was one. Um, I, I would definitely watch that. Thank you for the tip. Atlanta was one that I was I was into from the minute it came out. Firstly, because obviously Community is my favorite show ever, and I'm obsessed with everything the cast, except for Chevy Chase, does. And I'm kind of secretly hoping for a reunion. So Atlanta season one was amazing. And then it, season two was hard to stream over here. So I, ne- I only ever saw a couple of episodes. And now because Disney Plus has absorbed some of the, the, um, the FX catalog, suddenly you can you'll access the grown-ups part of Disney Plus and stream things like Atlanta and other things like Commando, which I watched, which was hilarious, by the way. <laughs> yeah. um, and that second season of Atlanta is astonishing. I cannot yeah. get over what that is. Like it's, I think a lot of it is that director, the, the Japanese-American director that does a lot of those mm. episodes. And yeah. um, I just watched that that Teddy Perkins episode 
which is <laughs> that's not like anything else I think I've ever seen in a in a yeah. in a TV series. And um, just like what a what a sort of ambitious and kind of amazing piece of art some of that stuff is, and yeah. the rest of it is just enjoyable. Like I, I I'm a sucker for a story where someone's just trying to get something really simple done. Like I was just trying to go down to the shops and buy a newspaper and then all this shit starts to happen and it falls apart. And this mm-hmm. insane chain of events happen. There's one of those episodes where the guy's just trying to get his hair cut. And, yeah. and, yeah, yeah, that's and the, the sort of wild goose chase that ensues when he's just trying to get his goddamn haircut that lasts for, it yeah. just couldn't be more entertaining. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, great, yeah. great, great show. Um, I mean, I've got a bunch of others, but Boots, do you want, do you want to jump in and, and bring in one of yours so that we can have a bit of a sequence? What have you got? It'll be something French. <laughs> the irony is it is something French. It's the um, new, de- it's the new <laughs> Depardieu, uh, no, the Juliette Binoche <laughs> duo. It's all for the ball. Ever, ever since the Bureau, which we really enjoyed, kind of the, the some of the sort of detective slash spy foreign shows have been the, the thing that we've been drawn to so currently watching a show called spiral i don't know whether you come across this day mm. uh it's a, a french it, it, you know it's dubbed the french wire which is odd because i hate the wire um when i say hate i just could never get into it and find it enjoyable or interesting to watch me neither um but the yeah i found this show like sort of strangely compelling they're they're there wasn't kind of traditional goodies and baddies. It was just the people on one side of law enforcement, people on the on the other side. And that, uh, yeah, look, it, it was an interesting show. It wasn't as good as the Bureau, which is still my best show that I've watched sort of post-pandemic or during and post-pandemic. Um, what was this one called? And, what was the name? Uh, this one was called Spiral. Spiral. So it's got, there's, a, there's about six seasons of it. Um <sighs> And we haven't got through that, kind of got through the first three seasons. There's 10 to 12 episodes a season. It, it's, it's quite good. Uh, I, would, yeah, I would give it a seven. Um, seven. But I would, I would also say, if you haven't watched The Bureau, go and watch, go and watch that. Because that's, uh, that's the best thing how I've many, watched. How many, season, how many seasons of The Bureau? Boots? Five. Oof. Five seasons. It's a lot. It's a lot. If there's room yeah, for it is, intermission. But, 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 but isn't that good that you can say well actually i know there's going to be a significant amount of this and something i can just chuckle on and watch and it's not going to run out it's not going to run out yes five hours um, yeah I'm, I'm with you but and, i like a long runway you know it's, if you find something yeah, really great I'm but then discover there's only three and a half episodes it's kind of a bummer like atlanta yeah. being a great example you know there's two amazing seasons and then unfortunately they they ran out of time to film before the pandemic and well, they didn't film before the pandemic and that's that. Mm. They're filming more, which is good. But it's, if there's room in your schedule for something that's European but not French, I've got one for yeah. you called a Swedish one called Snabba Cash. Yeah, we, start, we started looking at it. What do you think? Looking at it. So, uh, look, we're like literally an episode and a half in and we're going to give it a chance. I, uh, yeah, not bad. Good show. Tells a so different far. side of, uh, tells a different side of uh, Scandinavian society and, um, yeah, based on a very good book, but it's it's highly watchable. So it's mm. that that one's not many episodes. I think that's one season, only about eight eps. Um, it, it strangely combines the worlds of like startup software technology and drug dealing, which sounds pretty difficult mm. to combine. But it just it just just that's the show. Uh, one yeah, one some, weakness so, of boots. Someone, descri- some describe it to me as a, the 
the Swedish version of Halt and Catch Fire meets, meets The Wire, um, <laughs> which I thought was an interesting description of uh, It is of a bit, a actually. There's one character that almost ruins it, this, um, like, dot-com legend called, like, Thomas Storm or something, and he's just so dumb that, that <laughs> it, it would really be better off without him. Um, or without the way that that guy plays him, but apart from that, it's um, it's a solid show. But Netflix over here is is turning into English thriller and uh, as a British thriller and British drama, you know, overload. Everyone here is obsessing over British stuff at the moment. There was a show called Behind Her Eyes. Were people watching that in Australia? I can't. No, I can't remember. That one. Not, no, I, I haven't. I can't explain it without ruining it. But that one does something that that never happens anymore um yeah i can't i can't explain it but this it's something very different happens um at the end that i haven't seen in a long time um the show itself i think is gets a little bit silly but look i I think it's watchable um but it Mm. it it has a sort of a a mind-blowing element to it that you just don't see these days um so it doesn't sound like something it, it, it doesn't sound like something I'm going to watch. So now I desperately want you to tell me the weird thing that happens and we can put in a spoiler warning and say, skip okay. ahead like yeah. 30 seconds. Boots, are you good with that? Mm. Yeah, okay. I'm happy with that because I know it's going to be, isn't it going to be a dream or something? Uh, yeah, no, spoiler alert. It's, it's, um, it's, just, it's just a massive sort of surprise U-turn ending that no one saw coming, which I don't know how that's even possible now with the internet and with the fact that this was you know, released and people watched it at their leisure. Everyone who saw it somehow didn't know what was going to happen. And something, there are a couple of twists and turns that like, it's very hard to see something and be genuinely shocked by like a complete backflip. It, it just doesn't happen mainly because of the internet. It's like a heel turn sort of thing, you know, like yeah, someone, someone comes out with a steel chair and, and, and smashes them over the head. and Yeah, kind of in a really, really Jerry, messed Jerry the up. King Lawler does, does his thing and, and, <laughs> and, it, it, and it was, it was surprising, surprising, A, that it happened and B, like that people just didn't, didn't ruin it. Yeah, th- both of those things. In a really dark and sort of horrible <laughs> way, yes, exactly that. Uh, but no, people have been gobbling that up and, and obsessing over it. There was one called The One, which I started to watch and enjoy and then I went off. Um, I wouldn't recommend that one. It was about a woman, a lot of startup type series at the moment, a woman who started this app that like scientifically matches you with the person you're supposed to be with. Um, yeah, yeah. That's, was, that's been out over here. It was a bit dumb. And I also would like to give it an award for the dumbest naming or like the laziest naming and kind of visual, um, you know, design work. So basically she created this app about finding your, your true soulmate. And she just calls it the one, which I think is a bit lazy. The company is also just called the one and then other things that happen and, the, and their logo, like other than the fact that it's supposed to be like the next Facebook, the logo looks like a seven year old designed it. And then <laughs> a character dies halfway through it and they put a plaque on his coffin with his name as they're lowering it into the ground. Just so you know who it was. <laughs> on the coffin. <laughs> it's like this is Gary. Gary's in here, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't, <laughs> Gar- you don't Gary with an arrow pointing down. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty it's pretty lazy. So I, I just brackets, I, he did. He did he's gone. That's Gary in there, just so you know. That's Gary. Don't don't think about him anymore. He's out of the show because he's in here. So that was uh, I would I would say don't bother with that. One but, thing that was um the high point of all of this sort of British mania was a series called It's a Sin which was I've, I've, I've heard of that. I've heard it's pretty good actually. It was really good. Only a small number of episodes, either six or eight. And it mm. is 
the story of when the AIDS epidemic mm. broke out in the, the, the gay scene in London in the late eighties. And it's the, the guy who made it made uh, an old show called Queer as Folk, which, which got reasonably popular like a long time ago. And another really weird show called Years and Years, which um, painted a very disturbing picture of the future. And I didn't love it, but it was interesting. And this one, I can't explain why it's so good. Just that the, the performances and the writing's excellent. And they just did this great job of really showing how frightening it would have been when some disease like that showed up and you just didn't know what the hell it was. Um, and it, it also coupled with the fact that attitudes towards homosexuality being what they were, like, it was like, you've got this terrible thing and all your friends are dying. And then like, just the, the other stuff you're having to deal with socially, you know, people were sort of hating on you and abusing you because mm. you were gay. And it was, a, you know, at that point considered a gay person's disease only really good. But there's enough sort of sunshine in it with the way these characters are that you, you sort of, you really want things to, to work out. Um, amazing soundtrack. Yeah. Very good show. Yeah, yeah. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's a scene. It's, okay. it's on Netflix. Okay, that's good. It I might be on. I, I want to say it might be on Stan over here. I, I remember I might have seen it on that. Um, apologies if that's incorrect. Very very quickly, another couple of things I've been watching. Um, one for anyone. It, do you guys like true crime? Yes. Stuff right. I um. I read, I I used to watch true crime stuff a lot, like many many years ago. And these days, I just I pretty much just can't. Like it's just it's it's too much. It's oh, it, I I can't. I struggle to not empathize with what's kind of happening and it's um it's it's really upsetting but this one uh, I'll be gone in the dark is uh is is really quite good it's on uh binge out here you can tell I just took out a binge subscription um binge. it's uh, a terrible name were you hating the name just, with every keystroke of signing it's up for so that bad and also like in the app like if, if you make a watch list it's not called a watch list Dave it's called a binge list and if, <laughs> and, and if you've got a show that you've half watched and you want to go back to it it doesn't say Keep watching. Have a guess what it says. Binging? Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. Talking about phoning in the creativity like on that show, The One. Um, Yeah, I think the binge people might have done the same thing. Anyway, yeah, this show, uh, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, it's um, it's about, um, you know, the comedian Patton Oswalt, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. For, from the states. So his his wife was a crime blogger and turned into crime writer, and she um, was a bit of a, I guess, like an internet sleuth or whatever. It's probably underselling what she did. Uh, but her and some other people just really started looking into, along with the help from um, from the authorities in a number of different counties in in California, into like these old kind of unsolved kind of rapes and murders from um, from back in the seventies and eighties. Um, and it's kind of her story and I, I won't kind of say too much because I would certainly recommend the show. It's very, very good. Um, but it kind of, you know, solves two mysteries at once. One, one is, um, kind of what, like, you know, who, who the killer is and, and they wind up kind of finding the guy, which is pretty incredible. Um, and she's the big driving force behind it, but there's also the kind of this other mystery about kind of her and, 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 and some developments kind of in, in, in her life and stuff too. Um, it's, it's really, really well made. Um, extraordinarily well made in fact um, it doesn't it, it, I, I watched another true crime thing recently where I felt like it was almost kind of not glorifying like some of the details of the crimes but it was it, it seemed to take a bit of ghoulish pleasure in, in kind of recreating some of the crime scenes and really kind of showing you some stuff which 
I don't know, it just it felt a little bit kind of off color to me. Uh, but this, this, you know, it does that to a, to a small degree, but doesn't, doesn't tend to kind of, you know, want to, want to leave there too much. Um, I would, I would certainly recommend it. It's, it's a genuinely incredible story about how they solve it, but then also there's this other element, which is, um, which is uh, really, really quite so, um, astonishing as well. So Ranch, for people who know what's happened in Pat Nolsall's life, mm -hmm. yep. they will, they will, they will understand what that is. That yes. happens. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I was going to mention it, but I thought you were holding that back. So yeah, yeah. No, I, I yeah, know what you're yeah. referring to. Yeah, and, and yeah. look, I mean, it's 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 fairly well known. So, but it but the the, mm. the reason I won't say it is because the way that is handled is actually brilliant in terms of its its in terms of the design of the show, the editing of the show, how they kind of bring it all together. Um, and it kind of means that yeah, you, there's kind of two mysteries at play. Like you know, one is the killer and one is everything else that's kind of going on. Um, so yeah, like really, really good. I, I, I'd certainly recommend it. If, you, if, if you're into true crime, I think you just, you know, you'll, you'll gobble it up. Even if you're not, it's a really interesting exercise. I think it's probably six episodes or something like that. Um, re really, really, uh, really good. Um, I've got a few other ones, but we can hold those until another week. So much, so much good stuff, so much to watch. And for mm. us, there's, you know, nothing else to do. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be watching. <laughs> Ranch, we should talk briefly about travel. Uh, we're not asking you to represent the views of, of uh, your employer, given you work in that industry, but on a, on a personal level, what do you think the world of travel looks like? We've asked you this before, but it was a long time ago. What do you think now the world of travel looks like in 12 months? What's it going to be like to be trying to take a holiday somewhere? Like domestic will be fairly easy in Australia then. International though, I think, um, yeah, geez, I don't know, 12 months. I... There will certainly be international travel. I think what I think I've said on here before is that the the airport experience is going to be pretty different, and you know the the experience of getting on a plane is going to be very different. Like you know, there's talk of you know medical passports and whatever, like vaccination passports and that sort of thing um, that I think will probably happen. It'll be interesting to see what countries and what carriers uh, insist on having vaccinated people on board. I think that'll be an interesting one to watch. I I think I mean I'm fairly bullish on it though. I you know there's there's a view here that you know October is when international travel will start again. I think maybe the delays in some of the vaccinations here in Australia might make that a bit difficult, but we'll see. Certainly I think by kind of December January I reckon um you know it'll be back on the cards. It'll start off, you know, Obviously, we've got New Zealand happening now. I think other places like Singapore would kind of be next cab off the rank, you know, um, the Pacific Islands, that sort of thing. I think ultimately, you know, places like um, Europe and, and the US will probably be kind of later down down the list. But I think, you know, once there's a critical mass of, of vaccinations, I, I, I can't see there being too many reasons not to certainly open the border for, for Australia, That that's for sure. Um, you know, once you've got a certain level of herd immunity, if, if it does kind of get into, into the country and the, certain people who don't want to vaccinate themselves choose not to and leave themselves open to risk, then I, I, can't, see the, I can't see the government keeping the borders closed, you know, for, for the sake of those people, basically. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I think, you know, it'll, it'll be, um, 
it'll be a different experience. It'll be, you know, more, a little bit more kind of bureaucracy and stuff, I think, in order to, to, to get prepared to travel. But at the same time, I mean, you know, like the, there's certain documentation that you need to kind of have and show and obtain and prove to, to, to travel in, like to, to certain countries these days anyway. And there's certain vaccinations that maybe you don't have to get, but you certainly should have, um, you know, when you travel to certain countries as well. So, you know, it's going to yeah. look and feel very different. I think there'll be a lot more anxiety around it, but, I think people will, will kind of adapt to it. So certainly for Australians, I think Australians are dead keen to get overseas and come 2022, I think we'll see a lot of that. Yeah. I mean, I think over here, certain things won't go back. Like the amount of business travel that was done was almost absurd. Like that you, you would fly to another city for one meeting or for a lunch and then fly back. And I don't, I don't think that's coming back. I just don't like people have gotten so used to conducting certain types of business remotely now. And, and the technology has made it, you know, it's, it's an acceptable experience. I, do, I just don't see that part of it coming back. But it's in the, in the legal community, is there much discussion that you're privy to regarding kind of enforcing some type of vaccine passport and, and the legal rights of a person to say, you can't make me have one of those. Is there much chat about that, that, that you're pretty? Yeah. Yeah. It's been extrapolated though. Mostly the, the legal discussion at the moment is about whether you can be fired for refusing to get the vaccine um, in, in certain jobs. And there was just a recent case of a childcare worker who last year refused to get the flu vaccine which their employer made mandatory and they said well you just can't work with the children now the carers if you don't get it and they upheld that as a reasonable decision to to say well this this is a the environment in which you can be obligated to get the vaccine i think that will show that anything that's kind of not a right like you don't have a right to travel, you are going on a commercial enterprise. Therefore, that commercial enterprise can set the rules. And if that then becomes that they want everyone on their flights to be vaccinated, because I can imagine that they don't want the publicity that would come from a whole lot of people getting infected on one of their flights, that that will, that will certainly be legal and that will be defensible. I think where we're going to get into murkier waters is when certain you're not allowed to go to certain things or certain places domestically or do certain things when you without being vaccinated it's kind of along the lines of the no jab no play rules we have here about child vaccinations whether there's an extrapolation of that on on covid uh vaccinations will be will be an interesting discussion so i mean look i'm i'm pretty far to the just get the fucking jab but there are also a lot of people, civil libertarians, et cetera, who think, well, you shouldn't have to do anything for the greater good. It should all be about your own individual rights. Fuck those people. Yeah, they must not have uh, read about, you know, polio and all those other things that were, you know, defeated well, no, by they, people they, agreeing they, to do something for the greater good. Exactly. They didn't have to live through that time because people had uh, sacrificed something that's not in their DNA. No, because the reason I thought of it first, I mean, other than it's... Of, obviously interesting to get your perspective is that you would guess that that's the first, the first defense that someone who is against being vaccinated will come to is like, you can't force me. You don't have a legal right to make me do this. Like you, you can just tell that that's the first thing that's going to happen once and, and, this and, and actually starts happen, being enforced. Yeah. There, there will be a no, there, there won't be a, you have to get it as in you get strapped down and it goes into your arm. 
but there will be things that you'll be able to deny. It'll be interesting to see whether some some of the Medicare stuff or, or other government services. Um, I mean, that's what I would like to say. I think that's probably not going to be the case. Um, you know, maybe pay, payments under any sort of government assistance tied to getting a vaccine. I don't know. But uh, that's, uh, I think we'll, we'll see commercial enterprises that it will be pretty clear they'll be able to uh, utilise people being vaccinated or not. Now, whether they want to comes a separate commercial question, but I think from a legal perspective, they'll be able to deny entry or service to people that have been vaccinated. Yep. Yep. Well, it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out. As with almost everything, it's it's going to be messy, but um, let's hope that common sense actually can uh, can prevail in, in most of these cases. Speaking um, of messy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ranch with another well classic segue. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. What are we talking about? Oh, um, <laughs> we um, we have to talk about the European Super League, don't we? Jesus yes, Christ! Yes, we do. We what do. a fucking thoughts! What a what a and and I, I think we probably need to be quick, Dave, because I think you probably no, no, go, go go ahead. Let's do it. But the um, like what a WWE style kind of heel turn this turned out to be from like on on Monday, all of a sudden out from nowhere this this pretty kind of light announcement about this European Super League gets set up and seemingly one after another, I don't know, by Twitter or whatever, all of the biggest kind of teams are like, I am the first member of the Super League. And it was <laughs> like, it was almost like they were just kind of like unveiling themselves to be members of the Undertaker's fucking dark union or something. And then kind of 48 hours later, the whole thing was kind of finished. It was... To follow your analogy branch uh, Real Madrid and Silvio Perez were the the undertaker in that scenario and he suddenly looked over his shoulder and there was no one there behind him <laughs> 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 yeah that, that's just... basically it yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no fascinating and and look I don't follow the business of, of football that closely mm-hmm. uh, I know a little bit about it um, and I, I do think this was a kind of a gambit basically there's dissatisfaction with the way that the Champions League works like i've always been envious as corrupt and and unprofessional as as the world game is the structures of it more or less are pretty enviable like imagine if your favorite sport and your favorite team so imagine if essendon could not only play in the afl but your local you know the 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 brighton stingrays could also play in a tournament with all of the best teams and maybe win all the way through like the fa cup that's pretty rad And then imagine that if you get good enough, you or you can also play for your country in a legitimate competition, not that absurd international rules thing that we play against Ireland, which doesn't count. And the other thing you can do is you can play against, you can just play against random teams wherever the hell you want, which is pretty great. Even though calling it a friendly, I've always, I've always bristled at that. I just think that's dumb, but you know, you can play in the champions league if you're good enough. And I just think that structure is pretty freaking great. Like it just, it just works. Yeah. It gives you so much variety. Yeah. It's so many cool opportunities that can, happen and because of the low scoring nature of the game things like the fa cup can work because you can have upsets you can have boil overs and you get you get some pretty random teams you don't get stories like that leicester city thing from two or three years ago where a low budget team wins the premier league that that's becoming less and less and less and less likely because it's basically it's an arms race and you've got extremely wealthy owners who are bringing in kind of, you know, Petro Petro money and they just spend whatever they've got to spend. Um, I think this was a 
deliberate attempt to frighten UEFA into making the, the, the Champions League have more favourable terms for everybody. Yeah, that, um, that, that's what I that, think it is. That's a, that, that's a popular theory at the moment, Dave, and I, don't, I certainly don't discount that. I think yeah, should, the, the genesis... Sorry, but should we actually just kind of just frame up kind of what, what's happened here, just in case people haven't been haven't been following it like i can i can kind of do a quick rundown yeah Yeah, do it this isn't going to be 100 correct but it's kind of directionally the 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 case right so this um announcement of this kind of extra league was cooked up and announced very much in secret with pretty much all of pretty much all of but not actually all of the, the 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 biggest european clubs kind of saying on the same day that they were going to take part in it. So it was kind of like all of the biggest clubs that, that you can think of with the exception, basically kind of Bayern Munich and, um, and Paris Saint-Germain, I think is kind of broadly. Yeah, and, and, um, and Borussia Dortmund was, was there. There were 15, 15 teams, 12 announced. The three that everyone assumed were Borussia Dortmund, Bayern Munich and um, PSG. Yeah. Yeah, and so like the the design of it was that I, I think I'm right in saying they were going to continue to play in their domestic leagues, but rather than then take part in the Champions League, um, which is run by UEFA, they were going to have their own Super League. Um, there's no relegation, there's no real qualifying really. There's 15 teams, and they did kind of invite another five, um, and Correct. and 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 they would like kind of the AFL Premiership season in a way, like they would just play those those same teams every year. Um, with the exception of the five kind of you know swing swing positions, um, and whoever wins wins and blah blah blah. The issue is that because it kind of replaces the Champions League, the Champions League would still go ahead, but none of these teams would be in it, so it's basically worthless. Um, it, it, it replaces the Champions League, and that league kind of splits to some degree the revenue across a, a number of teams and leagues, which kind of helps out you know smaller clubs that aren't necessarily just all these big ones. And so this is kind of seen as, as a, a big money grab by these bigger teams to just kind of take all of that revenue away from, from, from the rest of you know, the leagues and the clubs. The reactions, fair to say, were uh, vitriolic just from, from the outset, right? You, firstly, none of the players knew um, that 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 part's insane. Yeah, that 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 any of it was what was going to happen. The fans almost universally seemed to hate it. UEFA hated it. FIFA hated it. The the the, the governments of many of these countries hated it. In fact, the UK government threatened to cancel the visas for all the international players. Um, you know, you, uh, FIFA said that none of the players were going to be able to play in in the World Cup and stuff like this. And eventually, kind of after about I don't know about thirty six hours. Or, or, sorry, within probably 24 hours, teams started to pull out. Like I think Chelsea were one of the first and and um, and, and, and a couple of others. And, and now, as, as you say, Boots, there's pretty much kind of two left with, with no one else standing behind them. Um, I, I, I did laugh. Titus O'Reilly, who's the Melbourne comedian, um, you know, just tweeted out saying, Jesus, even AFLX lasted two seasons. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's... That, that is true. But no, that's an accurate depiction of what happened. The other element of it is... it. it the Champions League is arguably a meritocracy in that you qualify. If you're good enough, you qualify, you get in, you play. Whereas this was just a bunch of strong teams saying, well, screw that. We're, we're good. So we're going to make our own thing and we'll, we'll choose who else gets to come play with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, th- there's always been a meritocratic aspect to the way it's all set up. And this is completely counter to that. It's like, we're going to make our own thing by ourselves. So screw all the rest of you. Yeah. Yeah. But it's back to you. UEFA and others were very effective in making it a very emotional thing when I, I don't think UEFA or FIFA have any claim to being kind of for the fans or anything, literally no. two of the most corrupt organisations I'm aware of. But 
what what essentially happened here? A confluence of events. I've been talking about this Super League for 15 years. I remember going to a panel discussion um, uh, about this topic and kind of like how, how do you reorganise European soccer and, and other things. And it was a lot of the talk then was about those teams actually ditching their domestic leagues. And if you finish in the top of your domestic league, you go and play in this European league not playing the domestic league that year unless you until you come back down and it's kind of you go up and down out of that European league. So it's kind of a version of that. But what what has happened? So and the pandemic has accelerated this because there's been so much losses. These teams have really high fixed costs. Correct. And they also now have a lot of US uh, owners who own US sports teams who go, what the fuck is relegation and what the fuck is me not making the Champions League and getting all the TV money every year? Because these people are used to being buying into a sports franchise that is in the league. They get a distribution of the full television money, full concession rights, n- scheduled the same every year, X number of home games, X number of away games. Everything, you can, you can plan it down to the last millimetre so, and you've also got salary caps. And they've just started going, this is, this is insane. We're just having incredibly rich owners who come in for a couple of years and just upset the balance because they don't, they don't care about making money or having a profitable business. Or at the time they do, then they just pull in the spending. But during that period of spending, they've taken all of the players and distorted the competitive landscape. And if you have a situation where you're, you've paid multi-millions of dollars for a team and all of a sudden it's no longer in that league that was earning you that revenue. It's just an antithesis to the some of the the American players. So the people that own Liverpool are the same people that own the Boston Red Sox, the people that own Arsenal are the same people who own the St. Louis Rams and the Denver Nuggets, people who own Manchester United are the same people who own the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And they, along with the Spanish, who are kind of a different, kettle of fish in that they don't have super rich owners they've just got these two they've just got crippling crippling debt like many spanish businesses um these things are literally a house a house of cards and the uh, you know not getting the revenue from the champions league for a year or not getting um revenue from the full barcelona stadium or the full real madrid stadium um have, have you know basically made them look at their own mortality and it's why Silvio Perez is out the front of this thing in terms of the, the, the presidents of the, of the clubs because he sees this certainty of revenue and this increasing revenue to the big teams at the expense of the small teams as you know, the way for his club to survive in, as, as it currently is. They're looking at this not so much for, well, they were looking at it not so much for the supporters in the markets who are currently there, they knew they were going to cop some backlash and they assumed that, yeah, we'll cop some backlash, but eventually, you know, when the games actually start, people aren't just going to not watch their team play Mm. against another really good team. They'll eventually accept it. And then the bigger play here was into Asia and into the US where these people don't give, in in Asia and the US, don't give a fuck about the other... (laughs) team don't give me mm-hmm. and it, about the lower rank teams. It was really interesting that like listening to some of the US talk show sports talk stuff that I will occasionally listen to, like pardon the interruption, they as opposed to the rest of the world and all of the commentary that 
you were talking about Ranch and Dave about universally panning this. They were going, this is a great idea. We're just going to see the best teams playing each other every week. So people who aren't invested in the culture of soccer and the way that, mm. that soccer has been for however long go, that's a great idea. And that, and that is what this was banking on. Now, uh, and, you know, and, and potentially I, I, too, like I, I was listening to an interview with an American guy today about it and he thought it was particularly interesting that they, for, for given what they did announce, they didn't actually announce where these games are going to be played, which I actually think is quite an interesting observation. You know, like, yes, mm. they might have been played in Europe, but geez, there'd be a lot of money to be, to be made playing some of those games in the US and in, and in Asia as well, right? Absolutely. Yeah, very good um, point. So I think this, to Dave's point, there is, I think, an argument for the short term that maybe this leverages them to ensure that these teams don't miss out on the Champions League money, which is effectively one of the things, this cost certainty argument um, for teams that are spending this much on players uh, is one of the things that clearly driving this. And they leverage it to get some changes to the Champions League to basically make it that they're not they're not going to not make it in any, any particular year. But the um, I think long term, I don't think this. Uh, yeah, and it, and it is selfishness, but it is it's a selfishness that's born of kind of what these people know that they they're not used to supporting an ecosystem of three hundred teams in the UK as the Premier League teams are, you know, those teams at the top, in theory, support all the teams in the in the FA um, for a revenue basis. In the NFL and the NBA, they support thirty two teams. Yeah. <laughs> and that's and, and that's and that's and that's how it how it works. And so I think that desire to have that revenue not distributed so yeah, the, uh, the, the couple of things I have to say about that though is that the, these teams are so strong that like, don't they just make it to the Champions League kind of every year anyway? Like, not they, all yeah, but the problem that they, they, they miss one year and the debt levels are so right, ratcheted. Yeah, okay. and, just, and it's, so it's such a big hit. And so then, on top of that, like the the thing that that blows my mind is is is, is firstly, how did they like what reaction did they think they were going to get? Right, you know, because they they backflipped on it so quickly that I guess they didn't think it would be as bad, but what did they think it was going to be? Because it was, of course, it was going to be an issue, not only with, you know, the fans and the media, but also, you know, governments and everything like that, like that, like what, what did they think was going to happen? Like yeah. that's just a big question mark. And then the other question mark is what happens next? I mean, like there's potential for penalties here that could be, for instance, you are barred from taking part in the Champions League next year, which is, you know, kind of instantly a hundred million dollar hit in terms of the, 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 the split of the media rights for, for these teams as well. So now yeah. who knows if UEFA is going to do that. They might, if they did, that would certainly, um, you know, pour some water on anyone else getting any fucking bright ideas next time, yeah. if you know what I mean? Like, it would also force those teams that are penalized into doing something like this. Like it would, it would make them rush yeah, into doing it. Um, I, I think I, I, that that's a possibility, David, give them the cover to do it, to say, well, we've been kicked out of this other one in terms of political cover. I think the first thing you would see is them go to court, um, and UEFA and FIFA course. do not have a good do not have a good record in court when clubs take them to uh, uh, to the court yeah. of arbitration. Like the, oh, the, yeah. 
interesting thing though there there is that you know like reading articles about it it certainly feels like you know one of the big turning points for 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 the backflip here was the players going hang on you you've made a decision which means that i can't play in the world cup go fuck yourself like that that was a big part of it and so like if fifa or if, if fifa's continue to hold the line on that like they could go off and make up their own their own league if they want to, but will the players actually want to play there? Like that's that's the other thing. There are so many moving parts to this. It's going to be fascinating to watch. Really yeah. well. I think on your first question, look, these these people are not complete idiots, and they would have definitely had contingencies for what is likely to happen when we drop a bombshell like this. I'm sure they expected fan hatred. I'm sure because it's it's the surest thing in the world that yeah. that's what was going to happen. I don't know if the government response was something they counted on being quite that rapid and quite that strong. Um, I think over here, a lot of people were sort of combination surprised, impressed, um, taken aback by the strength with which the, the, um, you know, British government came down and said, Hey, you know what we're going to do if you do this? Like that was, that was not what anybody expected. I don't think, um, I guess it's it, like, if you're being cynical, it's great politics to, to save football for the people. It's probably a really, really canny move, right? But, it's not, not, not hard to be on the right side of this one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it was still, it was like really concrete, heavy steps very quickly, um, mm. which, which was perhaps not exactly what they're expecting. But uh, look, as long as, I mean, my thing is, as long as Maradona's team in Mexico is okay, that the Dorados <laughs> Piranhas, who are my team, you know, as long as those guys are okay in Division 2, then, uh, yeah. then I'm happy because they're, they're my yeah. guys. Um, just before, yeah, we, before I, we wrap I, I up, um, AFL season, we're into round five. Um, can you give us quickly one thing you're surprised by, one thing you're not surprised by so far, Ranch? Sydney, very surprised by Sydney. For some of the audience who listened to our long episode about the AFL season, um, I think we had Sydney down in the bottom four. I think um, maybe they might have been fifth in the bottom, but they've been really, really good so far. What I'm not surprised by is how bad pretty much all of our hot takes look right now. I think I said that Buddy Franklin wasn't going to kick any more than 10 goals. Already has 11. So so that's that's bad. Boots' one still might be... But Boots' one still, actually... Still, still might be. It's fucking yeah, red I, hot, Brad. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, yeah, I was, was going to say, it's, it's, right kind of, it's moving in that direction, isn't it? I think it's right. And what, yeah. uh, what aren't you surprised by, Ranch? Oh, no, that, that, that was it. I'm not surprised that most of our hot takes were shit. Oh, oh that. <laughs> Boots, yeah. Boots, um, what do you, what do you think? Uh, look, I'm surprised, surprised by Melbourne. You know, I I thought uh, they would be potentially the team to, to suffer. Now, look, there's plenty of time um, for, that, <laughs> for that house of cards to come crashing down. Um, I am not surprised by how bad North Melbourne are. Um, I think we all predicted and that. They're and so it's, bad, it, but, it's, but it's, they're so it's been bad, as bad though. as we thought. Yeah. Is, it, is it worse, though? I feel like it might be worse. No, this is what I thought. I thought this is a VFL team come to life. Yeah, it's it's kind of like Fitzroy mid nineties type thing. Like it's real yeah, bad. It's they real got bad. they got nothing. Um, I haven't been watching that much of it. Um, I was surprised to see community football. Like pleasantly surprised. I think I'm always happy when you have a good regional venue that gets a real AFL game. I think that's just great. Oh, like when 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 the Lions and the Dogs played up in Bend. Uh, yeah, Ballarat. Ballarat. I love yeah. that. No, not regularly, but just as something to just throw in there every now and then. I think that's such a great idea. Mm. So I was surprised. I, I, I think it's set. I think it's great if it's not freaking raining for seventy five. Set of the game as it was in that that's uh, that's <laughs> hey, what I like the what, one thing I'd, I'd kind of forgotten about last season, and I know I know they're not going to do this right, but having the Dreamtime game up 
in the Northern Territory last year was awesome. Okay. God, that was cool. Like, okay. I, I get that that's always going to be at the MCG, but, you know, it would be be really great to have, you know, some other really good quality game up in the Northern Territory as part of Doug Nichols' round. I reckon that would be awesome. Yeah, totally. Like, that was, it, it was a, just a completely different vibe. Yeah, um, no, I love but, that stuff. Uh, the other thing, the one thing I'm not surprised by is my own team. I knew we wouldn't be very good, and sure enough, it's uh, it's true. We, we're not we're not good. We're trying, so that's good. I'm happy that we uh, are full of endeavour. But we do Still not. Still beat us. We do not. I was lucky. We do not have a forward line, and um, we have one really good player who is out, and the rest of them are not great at football. But uh, I think we need to wrap because we uh, we are over yep. our allocated time. But it was an absolute pleasure to uh, to be back on the line with you too. This has been the Dick and Ham Show with the uh, Ranch Dave and the Boot Camp. Well, we have to do uh, uh, around the campfire next episode, but we missed it this week. Uh, thanks to our sponsors, yep. Peter's Cleaning Company and the Old McCallum Scotch Whiskey. We'll see you next week on the Dick and Ham Show. Dot com.